So yeah, session 10 is where we're heading. But before we get there, and I'm going to kind of just do a quick review. Freedom in Christ is what we've been talking about over these past 10 weeks or so. And we started off with this understanding of the good news. And in the first session, it talked about the consequences of the fall, you know. And then from that, what did we receive through Christ? Through his crucifixion, through his resurrection, you know, he came to restore. He came to, he came to free us from those consequences of sin. And that we're no longer the product of the fall, but now, as Christians, we are the product of the resurrection. The Bible declares us to be new creations, that we are to consider the old passed away. We're to consider that we've nailed our old desires to the cross and we've crucified them there. And so once we gain this understanding, once we receive salvation, we are, we're, we're a new creation. And again, it's not about, and we I constantly keep bringing this back to us, because I know in and of ourselves we can take this message of, of freedom, if you would, and try to make it perfection. And our goal as Christians are not to be perfect. Our goal as a Christian is to continue to mature, to continue to grow in our faith. We are to become more and more like Christ until we are with Him, and that is when then we are perfected. But until then, we are to be maturing. And we have to recognize this new nature in which we are to live by, which is based solely dependent upon the Holy Spirit's leading in our lives. So that was session two. It goes right into session two, this new identity in Christ. And we talk about what does that look like for each of us, for Christian. What does that look like? From there, knowing your identity in Christ leads you to a life of walking by faith and in faith, trusting Him. And as we're growing and as we're maturing, our worldview begins to shift from how we used to look at the world to now how, as believers, we should be looking at the world. And then from there, we talk about the renewing of the mind. The Bible says, how does he transform us? By the renewing of our mind, by changing the way we think. See, we've got to give thought to what we're thinking on. Because as a man thinks, so he goes. And then from there, we talked about <clears throat> the battlefield of the mind. We had a good conversation discussing that. And that we have to learn God's truth. We have to know God's truth in order to be able to take thoughts captive and bring them into the obedience of the Lordship of Jesus Christ in our life. You know, we have an active part, if you would, in this newness of life. And that's obedience. And trusting. And that's what we constantly keep coming back to is trust and obey. There is a way in which he calls us to live. And then from there, we talked about from, you know, allowing him to renew our minds, um, the understanding how to warfare, and then being free from, from what the title of session eight was, emotional freedom. How not to be a slave to your emotions, you know. And then from there, we talked about the forgiving heart and how important it is for believers to be people who are not harboring any bitterness or unforgiveness, but truly learning 
to be free and releasing others and not holding them um, with such unforgiveness in our hearts. And so as we're maturing, as we're growing, as we're allowing this process to continue to form in us, the next step that this study is going to cover is godly relationships. You begin to build relationships with other believers. Remember, the body of Christ has been given to us. You know, the, the church is the place where we are called to encourage, to edify, and to build each other up. Doing life together. Encouraging each other on this new path before us in Christ. Reminding us to focus our eyes on Him. And so we're building these relationships. And so let's look at the first page here. Um, session 10. And Gilda, would you read that quote from Matthew 22, verse 37 and 40? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. Thank you. And Tom, would you read that paragraph under the word there for us? In this session, we will consider rights, responsibilities, judgment, discipline, accountability, and the needs of others. The great commandment says we are to love the Lord, our God, with all our hearts, souls, and minds, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. This sums up the whole biblical message. We are called to fall in love with God and with one another. A right relationship with God should lead to a right relationship with our neighbors. And Carrie, could you read the rights and responsibilities? Have you ever listened to a couple caught in a vicious argument? Inevitably, each partner starts ripping the other's character while looking out for his or her own needs. Nobody can have good relationships with that orientation. If you want to get a biblical orientation to relationships, read the following scripture passages. All right, so Romans 14, verse 4, says, Who are you to condemn someone else's servants? Their own master would judge whether they stand or fall. And the Lord's help, I'm sorry, and with the Lord's help, they will stand and receive his approval. And then Philippians 2, verse 3 through 5, Reads, don't be selfish, don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. And then 1 John 4, verse 19 through 21. We love each other because he loved us first. If someone says, I love God, but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is a liar. For we don't love people we can see. How can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their Christian brothers and sisters. So, any takeaways, points of application and just from the short reading for any of you.
Well, I think the um, thing about getting like caught in a vicious cycle, you know, if you're too busy tearing each other apart or tearing the other person apart, then you can't look at yourself. You know, I think that that's just such an easy way to deflect, you know, what the real problem is inside of you is to just, you know, go for the jugular and attack the other person. So, um, and... Do somebody apply the Christians? Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. What, what did you say? It was, it was like, this only applies to Christians, right? That's what it says. <laughs> I mean, I consider myself a Christian, but I'm like, well, you know, I mean, not everyone I hang out is Christian, so, I mean, this is the fly. <laughs> Sorry. Well, no. You exist not to be with another to, Christian, basically. Well, people who don't follow, people who don't love God and aren't committed to God, you can't expect them yeah, to act not. in a way that is going to honor God, so they are going to... So you're not... This one's but you... So this is... So if I took this by context... You know, but if, I feel like, well, you're not a Christian, but, so if, I but that doesn't mean... You know, no, you can't do that because yeah. you're the Christian. Yeah. But it, it says other to other Christians. That's what you said, right? Well, yeah. Kind of, so I'm like, see, I, I will find it. Well, I cannot find a loophole. No, you can't, because there's no loophole, because you, you can't call yourself a Christian mm-hmm. and not respect and love other Christians. Yeah, other Christians. You know, right? and so when it comes to the lost, we we are we love them already. We don't we don't despise them. We don't reject them. We don't we don't judge them. The lost we are to have as Jesus did, compassion on them. And we are you know, that we are to be, you know, his hands and feet to them. So no, we're not to hate them, we're not to fight them, we're not to act worldly with them. Because we may be the only example of Christ that they see. So the thing with Christians, when you talk about these godly so I just relationships, about, like, that was like thinking about religion. I was thinking about yeah. like, so what do you do? Like you just, I mean, obviously you're supposed to always act kind. But. Yeah, and so you're always too, you, as, as believers too, we're, we're we're to consider others before we consider ourselves. You know, and that's why when people look at Christians, they should see as as if you would be in servants. Christ Jesus was the greatest of all servants. Mm-hmm. And if there was anyone who could have demanded rights to be, you know, Served. it would have been him, but that's not what he came to do. You know, he came, you know, to seek and to save the lost. And now as his ambassadors, we go forth, not claiming our rights, not demanding our ways, not living for ourselves and consumed with ourselves, because we've considered ourselves dead but alive in Christ. So now our lives, the the whole transformation that's taking place in us is learning to be one that is submitted to Christ, humbled, and then willing to serve. And so when it comes to unbelievers, no, the, the standard for you, you know, is to be Christ before them. You know, to reflect Christ to them in hopes that they would come to Christ and receive him as Lord and Savior. So if we're treating them ugly because for whatever reason, then we're blowing the testimony, you know, of Christ before them. And so that's why it's vital for believers to, to know their identity in Christ, to know what has been entrusted to us. Like when Jesus tells his disciples, like, you know, um, they, the Great Commission, he commissioned them to go. He commissions us to go into the whole world, you know, 
um, baptizing people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all of my commandments, he says. You know? And so the Christian faith and the, the gospel is not so much to um, make life all about me or all about you. No, it's to make it all about him. We see our, this great need of salvation. And then so because we receive that, because we have this freedom now, and this is kind of what I've been encouraging us on Sundays, is that we as Christians are to be experiencing the freedom that's in Christ. And because we have tasted this and, and we've seen what freedom is, then we can't help but to let others know of God's freedom and the freedom that only comes through Christ. And so we're compelled to go out and share it with others. But when you're talking about godly relationships, and that's why Paul had to address it in the church. He says, I can't commend that you all are meeting. I can't, I can't be excited. There's nothing good I can say about you all meeting. He says, because you're so divided. There's so much division among you. And that's not how it should be in the church. That's not how it should be among the brethren. Because the word of God says, how will they know, talking of the lost, that we belong to him? It's not by our works. It's not by, you know, anything that we can do except this, the word of God says, because they will see our love for one another. And that's why when people look in at the church, they ought to see that. Like those people have something and what is it that they have and that opens up the opportunity to share the gospel the good news this freedom of the one Jesus who came to set the captives free that's our message it's freedom it's the gospel no other faith there's nothing else that's being presented out there that can offer mankind what Christ offers and that's why Jesus can say, I'm the only way to the Father. There's no other way but through me. You know, and that's a bold statement. But that, as believers, we've come to believe in. And so, no, that's a good question. You know. This is kind of dry right there. I don't know what <coughs> Yeah, I'll move that. Did you finish your thought though? Sorry, Mom. I did. I, okay. I cut you off, and I'm That's so okay. sorry. Okay. I was really confused. There. No, I did. Um, in the scripture, when it says that um, the heart, soul, and mind that mm. we are to um, love Him with the heart, soul, and mind, I thought it was interesting where it talks about that this, that the whole law and the prophets depends on it. Mm. Um, because we know that the whole law is the first five books of the Old Testament, and then the prophets make, it's not all, not the rest of the Old Testament, but it's the majority of the Old Testament. So for, um, for him to be referring in the New Testament to that the majority of the Old Testament is... Um, built on the commandments that we are to love God with everything that we have, you know, and we, when you think about the contents of the Old Testament, a lot of times we just see it as history, or we just see it as reference, or we just see it as, um, 
foundational blocks for the New Testament, but really what he's saying here in Matthew is that it's a blueprint for how we're supposed mm-hmm. to live our life. And so um, I just, that last phrase really stuck out to me. And then um, in the middle part where it says that we're to call, we're to fall in love with God and with one another. And I think putting it in that concept, in that phrase um, of falling in love with, you know, get, the getting to know um, and desiring those attributes of him, but not only with him, but with one another. And that comes with seeing other people through God's eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, because people in and of themselves really don't have that much draw. You know, people people are people. People fail you. People can be irritating. People can, you know, there are things in people that people you may click with and people you may not click with, you know, because of um, personality or whatever. Um, but God doesn't give anyone an out here. There's no, like, um, club. You got you want to come over here and sit? No, I'm good. Gilbert can be hard. No, 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 I've been working on my AC really. I want to oh, okay. stay with you. All right. <laughs> um, and so there's no, like, um, there's no clause here that says, you know, but even if that person just rubs you the wrong way, that you don't, you know, that you don't get to to love that person, and those are the people that you really have to say, you know, God, help me, because those, you know, it's it's harder for me, because I have to die to myself even more, but I want to see um, those people how you see them, and um, I wrote something underneath that paragraph, um, and I kind of just put it in my own words just so that I could understand it better. Um, if you're having a disconnect um, in your relationship, um, I'm sorry, if you're having disconnects in your relationship with man, like if you're, if you notice you're having disconnects and you're having a hard time in your relationships with humans, with one another, like you're failing at it or you seem to be not good at it, then you need to look at your relationship with God because that's what it, you know, that's what it shows me. If I'm not good at having relationships with other people, then I need to look at my relationship with God because according to this, there's a direct correlation. Um, and then, you know, as I was studying through these scriptures, you know, I just, the blunt, they were all pretty blunt, but the first John, where he basically says that, um, that if we say we love God, but we don't love others, that we're a liar, you know, and I, I think that there's, to call for the Bible, you know, scripture to call someone a liar, that's pretty blunt, you know, and so, and there, that's, there's no, like, you know, sugar coating on that. By the way, I'm just letting you know there's, like, there's a benchmark here. So you can profess, you know, I'm a Christian, I love God, I do this, I do this. But if you don't treat others with love and with kindness and whatever, then you're a liar. You know, and it's not, there's no, like, qualms about it because in every version, you can look up every version of the Bible, I'm pretty sure it's going to say some, some form of the word liar. So anyway, that just really looked not, I don't want to say harshness because it wasn't rude, but it, the bluntness of it, I can't think of another word right now, but the bluntness of it really stuck out to me like, hey, I'm calling you on it. Like, you know. We see that a lot through scripture too, especially the letters <clears throat> to the churches because these letters were written in order to correct them if they would, to encourage them to continue to grow up don't get sidetracked, don't get misled by all these false gospels that are being presented to you. 
you know, stay on task. Remember who he is. Remember who you are in him. You know, and, and, and it's important because even in Philippians chapter 2, listen to this again. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. And here, the icing on the cake. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. There's no, there's no getting around that. Yeah, like here's scriptures. <laughs> here's truth. This is how yeah. we ought to be living. And so when we think about this, to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, you know, with all of our body, this is the first commandment. This is the greatest of them all, is to love Him. And in that, the second is to, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, we talked about this a lot here. You can't give what you don't have. So if you haven't fully received the fullness of his love for you, like if you've never really thought about it and meditated on the fact of how great his love is towards you. Like the Bible says that we, yet though we were in complete rebellion towards him, he loved us. We didn't have to work for it. We didn't have to, you know, nothing. No, he did everything. He first loved us. He draws us to himself. God is pleased to reveal himself to us through his son Jesus. And we've talked a lot about this over this past month. That the cross had was purposed even before the earth was formed. The cross was purposed because love had to be displayed. And that's why the Bible says there's no greater love than the man will lay down his life for his friend. Jesus had to come. And in this understanding, when you really grasp the fullness of his love for you, don't, don't compare it to man's love, human... God, no, the love of God. Like when we can truly grasp it, the fullness, and, and just be overwhelmed by it. Like you love me. Like for no other reason, you love me. I was a horrible, wretched man. I hated you with every fiber within me. And yet you pursued me. And when you get overwhelmed by his love, nothing can compare to it. And in that, in that love, you begin to love yourself. Because you're healing. You begin to see the fullness of freedom and what it is to live an abundant life. You begin to see beyond the temporalness of life. All of this stuff is temporal. It's fading. It can be here today. It can be gone tomorrow. And so we're not, in, we're not entangled with the temporalness of life anymore. No, we're consumed now. Love. And in that, how could you hold back what you freely received? And so that's why as Christians... That's why I'm going to freely give it. And I'm not going to think of myself better than you. And that's why we have to work, you know, be dependent upon the Holy Spirit to allow Him to work this in us and out of us. 
so that others are seeing this. And listen, the Bible is very clear. To some, you will be a fragrance of life. To others, you're going to be the stench of death. They're irritated by the very presence of God in your life. By the message in which you have to carry and to give. And that's how we see this generation turning around. You know, what once was light or good is now evil. Once what's evil is considered good. And it always blows my mind that the message of love, there's no uh, nothing else can compare to this. This is the greatest love story ever, ever, ever written. And it was written by God. Man can't even compare to this. And yet the very basic need that humankind has is to be loved. We reject the very one who loves us. Because we would rather have our rebellion. We would rather have our temporalness of life to fulfill us. And we were never meant for the temporalness. And why do you think the enemy has worked so hard at destroying the concept of love? Because love is free. When you truly recognize what God has done for us. And so we must recognize, no, there are, there are standards in which we're called to live by. But they're not because man says... No, God has said, this is how you ought to be living. And in and of ourselves, we can't. So that's why we must know, and that's why Jesus says, you are to be born again. You're of the Spirit now. You're of truth. You're of love now. So this is what should be displayed through you. And that's why no weapon forged against us shall prosper. No matter how things are pressing in, we will not be crushed. We will not be overtaken because we have the fullness of hope in Christ and that hope in Him will never disappoint us. So I want us to think about that as we're thinking about this, that we can't give what we don't have. And this is where I've been challenging us. We've got we to gotta stop pretending that we have it when we don't. If you're lacking in your Christian wall, ask for it. He freely wants to give it to you. We have not because we've asked not. No, I want to love more, God. Teach me to love. You know, whatever you're missing, whatever you're lacking, whatever you feel, whatever, don't allow the enemy to take what you see that doesn't agree in your life, that doesn't line up with God's truth, and allow it to condemn you or beat you down or look, I'm not good enough. Listen, don't let the enemy do that. Don't be bound in shame and guilt and condemnation. No, when you start seeing that your life isn't measuring up, if you would, to the standard in which God has set, then just come to a place of conviction. Repent for the things that you see in your life that are contrary to His truth and begin to seek Him to be healed in those areas. Because He has the fullness of healing and of hope and of love. That's available to us. So we ought not to settle. We ought to seek daily. It's an it's a everyday, moment by moment. Don't settle just to have just the, the, the basics, if you would. No, have the fullness. That's why Paul has to tell them, you ought to be teachers by now. But you keep having to lay the elementary foundations over and over and over again. No, get up from that. Grow up. 
into the fullness of salvation, into the hope that is in Christ. And see, but we can be lulled asleep in church because we want the message to sound good to us. And that's why the Bible says even in the last days that people will only want to hear preachers who would preach something that itches in their ears instead of preaching the truth of God's Word. You want to say something? I've always been interested or kind of fascinated by the scripture, this scripture that's on the top of this page, love the Lord God with all your um, heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. Because, you know, well, Rob's already said, if you don't have love, you know, love to give, but then I always think about, you know, that, well, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, there's a lot of people that have no love for themselves. They, they are, ama- you know, they excel in self-loathing, you know, and they've never forgiven themselves for the sins of their past. They, you know, their current situations disgust them. You know, they don't, they just don't like themselves, much less love themselves. So when, when you have the scripture that says, love your neighbor as yourself, you have to get to the place where you can be healed and whole and love yourself so you're capable of loving others, you know, and, and it's not about you, and it's not about having dysfunctional relationships with other people. That's secondary until you can come to terms with yourself through Christ, you know, and and I'm not talking about, um, a self-help group or, you know, all of, you know, some, you know, the power of positive thinking or, you know, nothing like that. I'm talking about becoming healed and whole through the power of Christ and seeing yourself as worthy, you know, and as forgiven and being able to forgive yourself and, and accept yourself and, and, and start to actually like yourself, you know, and as your image of yourself will change, it changes and your self-esteem rises then you're able to love others as you love yourself. Because if you treated others as you saw yourself, and you have a poor self-image, and you... I saw this... Okay, so Criminal Minds has started this new show called Criminal Minds Beyond Borders or something. So anyway, um, Wednesday night, they had... I don't, I don't watch it on Wednesday night. It comes on too late. I don't know how people watch TV that late. But anyway, I watched it sometime on Thursday. And anyway, what this guy did, he had had some tragedy in his life, but he could never forgive himself for what had happened, and he ended up being the killer. But um, what he was doing was something similar to Martin Luther um, before the Reformation. Um, But he was, was like, doing this self-punishment. And he would like whip himself, and he would. But it was this outward expression of this inward self-loathing, and um, he just didn't see himself as worthy. So he had to punish himself in some way. And we may not always hurt ourselves. Some people do, but you know, we we almost set ourselves up for failure. We enter into these destructive relationships, or we do these things because we don't see ourselves as worthy of anything better than that. But until we start to love ourselves and see ourselves as better and forgive uh, forgive ourselves for the things where we have gone astray, um, then we'll never be able to be capable of that. 
And then um, one other thing about putting others' interests above your your own and to, like taking a back seat, whether or not you even know if that person is um, a believer. And it doesn't even always have to be like in a if you're in a deep relationship with that person. It can just be in your day to day life. You know, there were, I did an example yesterday. I was going through a door, and just as a woman, I have gotten, and I don't think it's wrong, but I've just gotten used to, if if I'm on one side of the door, and a man is approaching me on the other side, and it's a glass door, it's just, I expect, you know, that if we can't go through the door at the same time, that he's going to step aside and let me go first. And it's, I, I don't, like... You know, and I'm not, like, asking him to, but it's just, you know, over the years, 98% of the time, if I hit a door at the same time as the guy, he's going to back up and let me go. He's It's, it's just what happens. Well, I, I hit the door at the same time as this man, and he, like, literally, he almost pushed me over. And he came through that door. He completely saw me there. And even I almost, I was at the door first. So technically, if we were going to go on right-of-ways, I had the right-of-way. And he came through, and he pushed that door open and pushed me back and just completely stepped over me. And I was thinking, and like in my head, I was like, he is the most rudest anti-gentleman I have ever, like, even, like, even a, a bad guy. You know, even a jerk will, nine times out of ten, will step aside, you know, if a, if a man and a woman hit the door at the same, you know, but then I started thinking, I was like, Carrie, there's no point in getting mad, even though he, like, he physically almost shoved me to get me out of the way so that he could go through the door first, and, um, but that's just, like, for me, was, like, a practical example of putting others' needs before your own, like, I just, when I realized that I, that he was coming through that door and his body had already hit mine, I just stepped aside. I didn't get angry at him. I even told him to have a nice day. You know, and he just scowled. He, he must have been going through something. Like, he just scowled at me. He just went and, like, kept walking. And I, like... You know this guy? No, I never... It was a total stranger. Oh, okay. But that's the thing. Like, you know, I was in a public place. Total stranger. I'll probably never see him again. But I could have let myself get angry. I could have, you know, been ticked off about it for the next ten minutes. But the thing is, I was like, nope. He's having a bad day. I'm going to show him a little bit of kindness. I, you know, and even if he got irritated at me telling him to have a nice day, and I, I wasn't even being sarcastic. Like, I genuinely, because I could have been like, you know, have a nice day, you know, and said it sarcastically, but I didn't. And, um. So if you would have said, I hope your day gets better. Yeah. Would that have been, uh, rude? Not if I was being genuine about it. It wouldn't have been rude. Because, I mean, he, he scowled at me. It was obvious. You know, and so, but that, to me, when I read that scripture, like, putting others before yourself, you know, like, as a woman, I don't expect the man to hold the door, but it just happens, you know, so I'm just used to it. And so, but, I mean, for him to be so aggressive, to push me out of the way, but I just decided to just step back and just let him go and not be, not be mad about it, even though, like, he, he physically moved me out of his way. And, obviously, he was at a point in his life right now where he... That's like yesterday? The way he was. That was yesterday. But anyway, so to me, that's like a practical example of that scripture, putting others' needs before your first, but before your own, and just 
not reacting and, you know, just not always going, it has to be my way, it has to be my way, it has to be my way. So. I think it has to be consistent. Yeah. I think that, um, that when, you know, it's interesting that whenever we have situations, and that's what I'm working on, is the consistency that I deal with it. Because today this guy pulled up in front of me, then he shot down a side street, and then he blew their stop sign, and, I'm, and you know, I'm sitting in front of the truck. And my hand went up, and I almost did it. <laughs> I was like, ooh. You know, I, and, I, and I mean, seriously, it was like, if you're going to be, you know, and it's something, that, and I mean, it takes to put the brakes on some things, but there's got to be consistency. There can't be any excuses. Well, he ran this down. He almost took the car of the truck out, which would have hurt his car worse than the truck. But, um, you know, it can't be, well, he just, you know, he just pissed me off, so I did this, this, and this. You know what I'm saying? It can't be that anymore. I really have started trying my hardest because I'm the first one to throw up a hand sign and it won't be sign language. Um, and it's like that you can't do this. You know, you've got to be consistent. Oh, it's oh, it's PMS or this person did this or this. You know, and it's really difficult. And it's it's very difficult to. You know, because I think for my own self, it's where I'm trying to slow myself down. Instead, like I said the other night when Rob and I, you know, we were talking, I, I got to take the running shoes off and start slowing down and listening to him, you know, and realizing that other people do matter, you know, and that I have to lose that cop mentality of what's the motive, what's, you know, everything's analytical, boom, 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 I've got to do this, do this, do this, and I've got to put that aside. And the only way I've found that it's been helping me, because... You know, reading the Bible every day, I'm going to tell you there's, there's places in the Bible I like to read, but there's other places I'm like, oh my goodness, really? Can we just get through this, you know? But when I read it out loud, it's like I, I've taken on the mindset that it's him speaking during that time of reading. And, uh, and I've had to go to those chapters, even during this one here, to say, well, how did he treat people? You know, what is his mind and this, that, and the other? So... Um, because it's, it's it, for me, I, I react. I'm a reactionary person. Sometimes I'll react before I think, and, and then I'll think, and then or have people remind me. Um, <clears throat> you know, but uh, I, I really think that, you know, it's like, okay, put on the brakes. That, that count to ten thing really is, and it, it's really funny how you hear those things as a young person or as a child, and you kind of blow them off, and then all of a sudden it's like, just, just chill out or just give yourself a few seconds before you open your mouth. You know, um, and that's even making wise cracks at work. I cannot stand the man that's over us. I can't stand it because I know the type of man that he is. I know how corrupt he is. I know how corrupt he was as a chief of an agency. I know how this man was, and yet I can't voice that. You know, I've got to sit there and go, you've got to pray for this person, you've got to pray for this man, you've got to pray for this, it's not about you, it's about other people seeing you on how you see him, and boy, that's difficult, and, and, it, and it happens, because again, I'm very reactionary, I really am a very reactionary person, and that's what I'm trying to ask him to, okay, just kind of do something with this, you know, over there fixing the AC, I'm ready to just unload and go <laughs> when I'm done, but it's like, okay, what am I, what am I supposed to do? Is it patience? Is it to slow me down? What is it that I'm supposed to get from all of this? And 
it's interesting relationally. I was asked two questions today. And it was like, when you were first married, your first marriage, was it a impulsive reactionary thing? Was it something you reacted to? Did you just do it? Because you were doing it. And I was like, well, I was pregnant, so I did it because of that. Okay, but was it a rational decision? No, it wasn't. Okay, what about the, and, and, and you know, of course, Nelson and I, we go back and forth because we both are counselors. And the second question, and it made me realize that in all the relationships, including God, I had to stop and think about how are you addressing this one? And then reading this really kind of hammered it home, you know. Uh, it's funny how we just met, I hadn't seen him in about a month, and met, and then something when it came back up. But it's, I think it's got to be continuing. I think it's got to be constant. It's not going to be perfect. You're not going to be perfect, but it is going to be constant. That if I do something and Carrie said, wow, I'm gonna, you know, I just want to talk to you. you know, can you call me? Can you come by? And she says something to me I can't get reactionary to because maybe it's something I needed to hear. I may not have liked it, but maybe it's something I needed to hear. You know? so, and that's what I think we're here for is just to you know, keep each other holding us up, you know, holding each other up and just moving forward relationally, but we're also for out here too. You know? so, you know. I want to um, finish reading from second I mean, Philippians okay. chapter 2. Yeah. And I want to start at verse 6. I'll get there. Because it is a lifestyle, y'all. It's it's a new way of living, you know, and it is that consistency. It is that understanding that I am a new creation now. And I know the old me, you know the old you, you know, and so when you see the old you, you need to realize, no, wait a minute. Like I'm not to move in this, I'm not to act this way any longer. You know, like I'm dependent upon Christ in whom has saved me. But I love Philippians chapter 2. It's one of my favorite chapters to go back to, um, to really get a good look of who Christ is, and then in that, who I am and how I am to live in Him. So we left off at verse 5, that you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. And look at this. Though He was God, He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave. And he was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, I love this, verse 8, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor, and gave him the name above, above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. So dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I am away, it is even more important. Look at this here. Look at these instructions to us, to the church. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. 
For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. And that's such a powerful scripture. Because who's working it in us? God. Not you. There's no way we can conjure this up. No matter how hard we try. No. It's He. He's working this in me, in you. Giving me, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. So look at this. Do everything without complaining and arguing. So that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God. Shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life. Then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. But I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice. And I will share your joy. The way in which we ought to live. I love this next section within this study here. And we've talked about it a, a, a lot here before. I've encouraged you, before you can get out there and minister to others, you've got to deal with your own issues. You've got to deal with that log in your eye, you know, before you start dealing with the speck in someone else's. You've got to look, it begins here. Because again, if I haven't freely received, how can I freely give? If I'm looking at everyone else's faults and not dealing with my own, then all I'm going is a, is a religious person. And that's why religious people can point at the world and constantly go after the world and be angry at the world. But we're not called to go after them and to be angry. No, we're to be moved with compassion. We're to be light among them. So it has to start with us. And so be aware of your own sins. Carrie, you want to read those three? Mm -hmm first one's about Moses. When Moses prayed, show me your glory, this is from Exodus 33, he was asking for a manifestation of God's presence. In answer to Moses, God placed him in the cleft of a rock, and his glory passed behind him. The experience was so profound that Moses' face radiated the glory of God for days. The next one is about Isaiah, and this comes from Isaiah, you can read the account in Isaiah 6.5. Isaiah had a similar experience, and when he did, he exclaimed, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips. Well, this is basically Isaiah 6.5. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the glory of the Lord of hosts. And then Peter, from Luke 5. Jesus approached Peter, who had been fishing all night with success. Jesus said to him, Put into the deep water and let your nets go down for a catch. And then this is verse 4. Peter obediently went back to the sea and started pulling in fish. He must have suddenly realized that someone very special was on the boat with him. Someone who could command even the fish. And he responded, and this is verse 8, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. 
And do you want me to keep reading? No. Okay. Thank you, though. Discipline versus judgment. I'm going to read Hebrews from chapter 12, 5 through 11. This is Hebrews. And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline, and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who ever heard of a child who was never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years doing the best they knew how, but God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in His holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It is painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Gilda, can you read point um, A and B there? Mm -hmm. Discipline versus judgment. Discipline. God's discipline is a proof of His love. In fact, if we are not at times disciplined by God, then we are illegitimate children of God. Number two, judgment. Judgment is not the same as discipline. Judgment is related to character, whereas discipline is related to behavior. Discipline versus punishment. There is also a major difference between discipline and punishment. Punishment is related to the Old Testament concept of an eye for an eye, Punishment is retroactive, whereas discipline is future-oriented. All right, so any takeaways from that reading? Um, for me, especially from Isaiah and Peter, um, what I wrote in the margin is, is that when we have an encounter with God or when we are in the presence of God, um, we become um, keenfully aware of our own sin. And um, when we have that experience, that's, you know, like just thinking about Isaiah, you know, that um, he had, you know, he's having this vision of God. And then the first thing that comes to him is that he's a man of unclean lips, you know, and God is um, almost pulling this out of him, you know, and, um, and then it appears he's a funny one. And so... Peter, the way he says it, it's very Peter-like. Because Peter is very blunt, and he doesn't he doesn't sugarcoat things. And you know, he here he is. He they've been fishing all night, and this is his craft. This is his trade. This is his livelihood. And he was sucking at it. And they had been fishing all night long. He wasn't catching anything. He's exhausted. He's probably hungry, and he's been stuck on a boat. I would be less than pleasant, but that would not be fun for me. He was probably used to it. And then, all of a sudden, he simply moves his net from one side to another, and he gets this incredible, bountiful harvest of fish, and instantly he recognizes that he's in the presence of God. Like, he, that he's in Jesus' presence. 
and his reaction is hilarious. Get away from me, oh Lord. He's like, you know, instead of falling on his face or, you know, whatever, like, get away from me. You have to get away from me because um, I'm a sinful man. And sometimes when we have these encounters with God, that's the first thing that we see is, I need you. You know, like this, and that's how God changes people, is that when he meets people, we begin to recognize, bless you, we begin to recognize that we have, as it says in Romans, that we have fallen short of the glory of God. You know, and um, when it was talking about discipline here, um, you know, you would, no, nobody likes to be disciplined, but what I took away from that um, verse from Hebrews that Rob read was the part that says, um, don't give up. Um, because when you're going through discipline, um, when you recognize that you've messed up and that you are going, you know, that you're, you're paying some consequences for whatever you did, um, not only are you going through this discipline, but you're also probably beating yourself up. And so you have this desire to just throw your hands up. And a lot of times we can take um, earthly human attributes and we can throw them onto God. And so we can take this, something that God is using to equip us and that God is using to refine us, you know, called discipline, and that it's too hard and it's too much and I, I want to throw my hands up. But if we, we're also called to persevere. And so that was just encouraging for me from that scripture. That's the one thing that I really took away was that to don't give up. And I really, 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 that's three reallys, liked this definition of um, judgment versus discipline and how they're different. That judgment is related to character and discipline is related to behavior. And then how punishment, when you're punished, for something, it's for some, something from the past. You know, like we were talking about, you know, when I was um, up in Georgia last week, last weekend, you know, my brother was talking, he brought it up, I don't know why he brought it up, but he was talking about when he got in, you know, my dad beat the tar out of him because he got in trouble for lying because he had been lying for like three or four weeks telling my dad and my mom that the computer system at his school was down, and so he didn't get his report card. Well, he had been hiding it the whole time. And so my parents had gone down to the school and knew that that wasn't the case. And so, um, anyway, so he, you know, he he brought that up, and so we were all laughing about it or whatever. And so, um, you know, laughing now, it wasn't funny then. And, um, anyway, um, the whole point was, like, when that punishment, when he took that punishment, that was for something that he did in the past. But when you, um... Is that, hold on, is everything okay? Yeah, I'm just going to get a blank. Oh, okay. Um... Sorry, I lost my chain of thought. Um... Punishment was in the past. Yeah, sorry. I get distracted easily. Um, punishment is for something um, in the past. But when you are disciplining somebody, you're trying to create correct their behavior 
so that you can change the future, so that you can make them a better person, so that you can change the way that they are in the, for future circumstances. And I, I, for me, I really took um, a lot away from that. But anyway, so. And it's good to remember too. I mean, I think it's awesome to to have this understanding that he disciplines those that he loves. You know, and I love this picture where all through Scripture, he reminds us that we are his children. I mean, the, the picture that we've been engrafted into his family, that we have been given the right to call him Daddy. Yeah. And yet again, this is just a picture of his love. It's through these times. And I love it when David cries out, you know, search me, O God. And not only search me, but test me. See if there's any wicked way within me. I mean, that's, that's incredible to have that type of relationship with God. To be able to pray a prayer like that and know that God has His best for you and that He was willing to receive from God, you know, this understanding of the areas that still was in His heart that needed to be dealt with. And so many times we do, so many times we give up, so many times we, we turn them back, you know, but that's, we're not called to turn back, we're not called to give up, we're called, as you said, to persevere, to continue to move forward, you know, we're not to be enslaved to who we were, or how we lived, you know, no, we're, we're new creations now, and, and we're living in a way of gaining an understanding of this way of life now. You know, it's the new way. It's a whole new way of reacting. No, I don't react this way anymore. This is how I am to react. This is how I am to live. Now, I used to would have done that, but this is what I'm doing now. And in this, I'm open because I belong to him. I mean, I freely have laid my life down. I, I freely received what he has given so if I can trust him if, with everything and I can trust him to lead me and discipline me, that he has my best for me. And now the final thoughts on that portion? No, I understand it. No? Good. I understand that part of the discipline and all that stuff. Like, yeah. it's nice to hear you say that, you know, because I'm like, you know, yeah. with my son, he's like, why are you always all day, just nonstop? And I was like, because I want you to hear me. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, because of your, I want to change your future. Yeah. And I said, and if I don't love you, if I, if I didn't love you, I would just think you're a piece of crap and, you know, and then mm -hmm. just say goodbye. Yeah. I said, but I have faith in you. And I want you to do better. Yeah. So I'm going to constantly be on your butt. Yeah. And he's like, it's annoying. I'm like, trust me, it's annoying for me too, you know? But I'm like, I'm just going to continue on, yeah. you know? And I guess there's different ways of discipline, which I lack. So I'm like, okay, now tell me how to discipline, mm -hmm. you know? And I, I pray that now. And That's beautiful. I, I pray it all the time. I'm like, okay, I need your help now. I don't know what I'm doing, obviously. So, right. you know, help me. Right. And I'm lately, lately, he's like, listen. So I'm like hearing this and I'm like, oh, cool. That's good. I'm like, hey, come on. I'm like, something here. <laughs> like, so I'm like, oh, I'm kind of growing. It's right. far. Hey. I have a long walk, but this uh, is pretty cool. We all do. But that's, that's the whole point. We stay on it. 
you know, don't get off of the path, don't, don't turn, we're not to turn back, stay on it, it's hard, times, can, there's going to be trials, there's going to be things that are going to challenge us, but that's why I love scripture, that's where we find our hope in Christ, because those times are there not to overtake us, not to defeat us, but to equip us, you know, we got to stop allowing our circumstances to define us, as believers, we got to start defining our circumstances, and then I've, I've told you all this before, that so many times we pray God to get us through, you know, get me out of this, you know, but I've learned that I don't want to get out of it until I learned all that it was meant to teach me. Because every time we're facing something, it's a lesson for us to grow, for us to mature. We have to see them as steps, you know, getting up from where we are and getting to where we're going. That's so funny, because I never get out of anything that easy. <laughs> so I guess I'm very real slow learner. <laughs> well, whatever it takes, Lord, you know. I was like, wow, that's what it is. I'm I mean, when I, <laughs> you know, this crazy health stuff has been crazy for almost two years, and so when I'm at the doctor's this earlier this week, and he looks at me and he says, you know, there's a possibility you have cancer. I looked at the man like, absolutely insane like you know I'm wearing this heart monitor because oh you're going to need a pacemaker you know like all these things that and a part of me would love nothing but just to give up and kind of be like oh you know this is too much but just like I did before I sat there and I said well God whatever I'm to get from this I just want to learn I just want to grow I just want to mature, you know. I'm not going to get overwhelmed. I'm not going to get, you know, where my mind's running amok. I'm not going to get focused on the weapon being forged against me. No, I want to focus on the fact that your word said it will not prosper. And so it's a choice that we have to make each day when we're facing things that are trying to press up against us to be, change our view of them. Like, no, I'm not going to allow you to define me. No, I'm going to define you as I see you, whatever it is, whatever's pressing up against you, through how God can use it to grow me and to mature me as his son or as his daughter. And if Christians, if we really start living this and allow it to become practical application in our lives, we would gradually see how we're growing and how we're maturing, how we're getting out of things. But so many times it's easy, and we've talked about this before, we take up camp in the midst of the valley. We're not called to take up camp in the valley. We're called to go through the valley. So just keep walking. Just keep getting through it. Just keep moving forward. Just keep persevering. Because it's in that perseverance that that character, his character, is built within us. And from there, our hope is formed and shaped. Because our hope is in Christ. And the word says, It'll never disappoint us. But always start looking at yourself first. We're so quick to look at everyone else's issues. But we need to look at ourselves first. We need to allow God to work within us. I'm not nowhere near this, yeah. so <laughs> you know? I always know I have a problem. <laughs> but and, it's cool. <laughs> yeah, and look at yourself and allow yourself to be defined by God's, if you would, discipline. 
Like, I see this. I'm not going to hide it from you, God. No, this is, this is sin in my life. So, Father, forgive me. Teach me, God, how to honor you with this area of my life. You know, allow him to have the full access to our hearts. He knows all. We can't hide anything, and we can't escape from him. Like, he knows. He sees and with this incredible intimate relationship that he calls us to, that we can come before him. And with his love, know that we can we don't have to be ashamed. We're not proud of who we were or what we've done or what's still hidden in our heart. No, but we're willingly to lay it down because, oh God, I I don't I don't want to hold on to this anymore. Not when you were providing this for me. So let's look at learning not to be defensive. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23. And that verse reads, He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. I love this picture. He, Jesus, left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. Tom, would you read A for us? Shame, guilt, grace. Many cultures in the world are shame-based. In these cultures, people are ashamed of themselves when it is perceived that there is something wrong with them. Legalistic churches can make people feel guilty whenever they don't measure up to the expectations of the church. Under the law, people feel guilty when they have done something wrong. Christianity is grace-based. Under the grace of God, we are new creatures in Christ, and we are no longer under the law. And then 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 5 through 8, reads like this. Never once did we try to win you with flattery, as you well know. And God is our witness that we were not pretending to be your friends just to get your money. As for human praise, we have never sought it from you or anyone else. As apostles of Christ, we certainly had a right to make some demands of you, but instead we were like children among you. Or we were like a mother feeding and caring for her own children. We loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our lives too. Builder, can you read B there? Do you want me to focus on In the list. Mm-hmm. Authority and accountability. God has established lines of authority. Had he not done so, there would be nothing but anarchy in society. Mm-hmm. We also have a great need for accountability. Which of the following steps of authority best describes how the Lord came to you. List A, authority, accountability, affirmation, acceptance. List B, acceptance, affirmation, accountability, authority. Would you like to answer that question? I think for me it was more of um, list A. Because um, I, I think, you know, just like having been raised Catholic and just always feeling like God was 
ever watching Waiting to Zap Me. I, like, even when I, you know, gave my life to the Lord, I, I didn't feel like that affirmation and that acceptance and like that the realization of that love was like what came later. It didn't come like at first. Mm -hmm. So I would say for me it was moralist A. And I'm on the other side. I This B for me um, because I knew my whole life I was told how much God hated me. And I knew how much I was rejecting his authority in my life. So when when he revealed himself to me, the overwhelming sense of his love and how he was accepting me as his own, mm -hmm. that he was pleased to reveal himself to me, you know, which led to that affirmation, which then led to the accountability, which then led him to be the authority over my life. Anyone else have any thoughts on A and B for themselves? I would be. I don't know where I stand. Maybe. Maybe. In between. Well, the funny thing is, um, while you were talking, and I just I remember because we were um, we were here, and we were having like. I don't remember what Bible study it was, but Big A and Sarah were here, and I mean, it was like a really deep and intense um, Bible study, and people were like, you know, crying and spilling their guts, and I mean, it was, it was, it was a great Bible study, and it was really deep and intense. And I remember I was sitting in the brown chair that we used to have right there. And I was, like, behind, the, you know, the book that we were using. And all I just was, like, it just dawned on, it just, like, clicked that moment that he not only loved the world, you know, because I understood that, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. But I was like, oh my God, he loves me. I was like literally hiding behind my book because I was almost giddy. I couldn't, I was like, it's like that's, and it was just like at the most unusual moment. But it was like at that very moment, that was when that realization came to me. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I was just like, it just seemed, it almost seemed wrong to feel like so loved and so happy at that moment. Because like people were talking about their past and you know all this stuff and... Uh, it was just like everything, all of that just like faded away in my mind. And I just had this overwhelming realization that he loved me. So, Is it a memory or is it still real to you? It's still real. It's still real. Sometimes I have to remind myself. 
you know, because sometimes, because I definitely have a very, um, I would say that my natural, or, yeah, my natural nature, yeah, would be, I have a very, like, uh, I would be more towards, like, a shame-based, definitely. And so I have to remind myself of that. That's, like, a, a something that I have to remind myself. But that moment was, like, something that I'll, I, I'll never forget. And although sometimes I have to remind myself, because you know when, when you're going through like a really dark time, you have, something you have to remind yourself. Has it happened since or? Where I have like felt his overwhelming love? Yeah. Yeah. But I would say not as much as that in time. that one yeah. Revelation moment right. <laughs> that I felt it like like that, but yes, sure. I have like felt him come and just remind me of it. Just think that one moment is enough to sustain you mm-hmm. for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I know, like I start praying, and then I I always like man, this guy just listening to me. I'm praying wrong. Just praying everything wrong. I don't know how to pray. If someone teaches me how to pray, you know, I'm just like totally flipping out about it, right? So everyone's like, yeah, pray on your own. And I'm like, okay, okay. So I've been praying, and I just I don't know. I feel like almost like meditated somewhat. Mm-hmm. Like if I just like step out of myself for a second, and I'm like praying, and then he's answering me. Mm-hmm. He's doing it a lot lately. He's like, I'm listening. Like we were looking for my friend's kid. We found her kid. You know, we. I've been praying for my kids. You know, one by one. Normally, I'm just like, you know, okay, just keep them safe. You know, all the kids, and you know. But I'm like, you know, learning a little, you know, about my list now. And now I'm like making it a little bit more personal. And then I'm like, God, I have to go sleep. Alex isn't here yet. I can't stay up with this anxiety. You know how I get? I start opening doors. I start getting crazy. I'm like, what is it? You know, where is he? And then I say, you know what? You got this. I need to go sleep. So you got this? You know, like, go ahead and, like, you got this? And, like, I, no, no lie. I said that prayer, but I said it a little bit more deep, you know, like, okay, God, you know, whatever. <clears throat> but then all of a sudden, I hear, like, beep, beep. Like, I hear, like, someone put, lock their door, and then I reached at the door, like, literally after I said it. And I was like, you are getting fast. Like, <laughs> and so I don't know if I feel like, I can't say that. That overwhelmed like love, but I'm like, oh my god, you're finally listening to me. You're like, you're so cool right now. Like, I really appreciate it. Please don't go quiet on me. <laughs> like, right now I need you. But I just see it like, you know, there's days that I go through these certain things, but I feel like if I didn't go through all that, I would have not been here. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. So like, I die to yourself and all that stuff. Like, it's right. cool. Yeah. Excited. It's, really uh, it's been my experience when I was really desperate. He showed up. Mm. I want it to always be that way, but that's that's yeah. what I've been my experience. That's, that's true. I think that the time that I know that God like specifically answered my prayer, and I definitely I wasn't even I, w- I was not with you know I hadn't given my life to the Lord, but um, when 
she found herself in a certain situation and I knew that like her life was on the line and I asked God because I, I had exhausted all of my means and I like that was the first time that I like specifically like I prayed specifically to him and he answered my prayer specifically I said you know Lord I I don't care how but just let her be alive just don't let her die and send someone to help her and so like I literally just fell asleep sitting up like from exhaust exhaustion and then the police um, came and knocked at the door and when I saw him, I was like, oh, and she, he was like, she's in bad shape, but she's alive. And I was like, I, it was like literally 90 minutes later. So, and that was the first time that I had prayed, like, specifically. And then there was a person that came by the, that 7-Eleven that, mm -hmm. and so, I mean, here he sent, and everybody. He sent the guy, for the guy to come get me, and, well, that's what God but there was a he was trying to get me to go to his mother's house but I was like bleeding to death and he was like come on man just let me over hop her into the back seat so you can take him to one and he's like he was brave enough he was smaller than my my kid's dad he was like and he, my kid's head looked rough gold you know looks crazy and she's, he's like no man you're you know something wrong with you Called cops on you. And he did right in front of him. And I just was like, he picked up the payphone and he actually called the cops. And I was just like, wow. You know, and I always think, you know, I don't ever really think about that guy. I like, just thought about that guy today. Because <laughs> I didn't think of it, but I thought, dang. So she prayed for this. I believe it. I believe in, I believe in the, you know, I see it now. I don't, I didn't see it. Like I felt like, like I've been tormented with that instead of like I didn't see the blessing in it and like and I almost almost died and I'd seen that in the darkness and that should probably woke me up a little bit but my kids does he's Jehovah Witness and he always said when you die you die you don't go to anywhere it goes dark and that's it and that's what that's what I was seeing like nothing feeling like nothing and I was just like, mm. I was like, then later on as I got older, I think about that. And then I go, was I feeling nothing because I envisioned what he told me was going to happen. And I believed him and not what I believed all my life. I went to church, like, you know, I was like, I didn't experience any of that. But then you, you hear intervention, but then you believe the afterlife was like not going to be like that. And I was just like, I hope that if that ever happens to me again, like not the whole that situation, what well, lucky girl I will be. But, you know, hopefully if I do die, it's a whole different, you know, scenario. Yeah, that's what as believers we have. We have hope, you know, that um, we, we, we see death differently than those who don't have Christ because we know ultimately you know, that we have that hope 
the resurrected life in Christ of eternity with Him. And it, I don't know if y'all touched on this Wednesday night, but on Sunday I mentioned this, that it's important and it would do us well to remember the things that God has done in our lives. Keep a journal. Talk about that. Yeah, okay. keep a journal. You know, I like to write it down. Because when you're going into intense seasons of your life where your mind is not ready to focus on what God had done back here, you can pull out a journal. There's times where I just pull out my journals and I'll just begin to read and remind myself of who he is and what he's done. Because we talked on Sunday how the disciples just saw him. They just encountered, they were with him and he fed the 5,000. So now here's another opportunity for him to feed the 4,000. And they're like, they're like, they forgot just what happened. And Jesus himself even tells them, you know, and rebukes them and gets on to them. What, you forgotten? You know, and then as soon as he started asking them, they were like, oh yeah, they were giving the right answers. But see, in the Old Testament, they used to build these actual spiritual altars. And they would tell their, their children and their children's children, it was passed down from generation to generation, that this is where God provided. This is where God, you know, healed. This is where God delivered. This is where God, whatever he showed up, however he revealed himself, they would remember, they would celebrate. Now, we don't go out and build spiritual altars, oh, but we ought to build them. So that when times come to try us, to test us, to challenge us, that we can recall and go, oh no, you were God then, you are God now, and you are God to come. And we can recall on the times that we have seen him in our lives. And like I said Wednesday, fresh revelation isn't bad either. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah, that is true too. Indeed, it is. And so, but it is—it's it's knowing Him. It is allowing Him to reveal Himself yet again, you know, or fresh and anew. But to let Him be God, and to trust in Him, and the fullness of of who He is. Like we belong to Him. We are His children. You know, we are his ambassadors. We're to go forth and proclaim the good news. Yeah, that's what they were at church and they said something like that. They said that they were just giving like the statistics of really how Christians are and they were just basically saying statistically or they were just giving out percentages and saying this many people really are living the works of, of the Bible. And it was a bit for Christian people already like was like seven percent and like the numbers were just insanely crazy and then how many actually followed through and they were like sometimes like you go to church you act you're listening you're this and that but like when they're out evangelizing his works they're out telling him God did this this can you believe it because that's how his word spread it so far because all when his works when he was like healing people and doing this people one person would go tell yeah. 500 mm -hmm. you know like it was just one person went to town to town to town and spread the word and then the next one went town to town to town so like i think that's pretty you know that's going good. hey you know what happened oh my god such a great thing so like if we just went around talking about the good things that he did mm -hmm. and maybe we wouldn't forget mm -hmm. you know if you kind of t even if it's the one time god has actually touched your life yeah. maybe 
we should use that time. You know, like some guys talk about their sports, their life. They're like, I was a quarterback. Yeah. You know, and they live that lifetime over and over and over. Maybe, you know, sometimes we have to live that, you know. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I think that we have to um, encourage ourselves with um, Mm. the hope in Christ. And, um, you know, what you were talking about, Lisette, about, um, you know, with at that moment in your life and being unsure about the afterlife but what we know as believers I'm in this middle of this series um, that you know it's not a faith based series but it's called like who is God or discovering God or something like that and um, Morgan Freeman is hosting it now it's it's either on the National Geographic or the History Channel and um, so they're going around and he's traveling the world and he's talking to different people and um, learning about what the world has to say about God and who God is. And they're not all talking about Jehovah God, but it's this world's concept of God. And in this one I'm watching right now, um, they're talking about what happens, you know, when you die. And, um, you know, di- different people's experiences. And they, he, he's even traveled back to Egypt and the, where the first you know, um, where they believe that, like, the first concept of the afterlife came in and all of that, and just listening to all of this and what they, what the, the, the Egyptians believed and the kings believed um, of that time, and even interviewed this guy who was basically on the brink of death, and he said that he, like, was in this light, and, um, but he heard a voice that told him it wasn't that because he was underwater for 18 minutes, and they can verify that, that he was underwater for 18 minutes. Um, um, and But he heard a voice that said, it's not your time. And so just as he heard, it's not your time, he was in the ocean in a capsized boat. Um, he got slammed against a rock, and it put, slamming it against a rock pushed all the water in his lungs out. So he started oh, wow. to work, so he was able to start breathing. And so when they, they, the people who were looking for him found him, they were like, dude, you've been under the water for 18 minutes and no brain damage, like, he's totally fine. And, but the, the sad thing was, you know, and he, he talked for like 15 minutes, Morgan Freeman interviewed him. And Morgan was like, you know, you, you've, and, you know, Morgan Freeman is not, he's religious, he's spiritual, but he's not a believer. And so he's like, you know, you talked this whole time and you didn't say one thing about God. You didn't even mention God's name. And he was like, well, uh, he's, and Morgan was like, what do you believe that God played? What role do you believe that God played in this? You know, in, in, in your near-death, almost afterlife experience. And he was like, well, I just believe that God is light and God sends us back here. And that's what, you know, to, to keep living um, in other ways and that I must have a purpose here. And that just God, you know, God is that light, you know. But he had, he, and he just, he was like, I just believe that, you know, there are so many paths. And, you know, but he was completely off, you know. He missed something. Yeah. He because just, God is a rock. Right. Yeah. He hit that rock. That's the first exactly. time I thought Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was just completely off in his oh, the voice that spoke to him. Yeah. And I mean, said he it's not, had this incredible encounter that's, I mean, it's verified. Like, they, they verified that this guy was underwater for 18 minutes. And, um, you know, so he had this incredible counter, but he completely missed it. 
And so the sad thing is, like, we have hope in Christ. And, and he, and we do have the hope of an eternal life in him. And, and there is an afterlife that we as believers are the only ones who have that hope in him. So, because this world is not our home. And as cruddy as some experiences here on earth are, we can still stand in hope and go, hey, you know what? I can endure it because this world is not my home. You know, that my home is in heaven. And this is temporary. But God goes over and above to sometimes, above to reveal himself, like he did to that guy. I mean, that can only be God. I mean, the way he was ex- explaining that, that's only God. And sometimes we still miss it. And yeah. how, you know, and how sad. So, anyway. Well, they say, they say people will even uh, speak away the rapture. Mm-hmm. When the rapture happens, yep. they'll find some logical explanation mm-hmm. and the people to will buy it. Yep. To explain it yep. away. Well, you know, I think, too, that even down to the point of when, when we were talking about the revelation, mm-hmm. um, as we were studying it, that even when everything is hitting this earth, God, even in the midst of that, is revealing himself, and yet there will still be people on this earth who will look up to the heaven and say, you're not God. And that just shows you the wickedness that's within mankind. You know that we would want that we would choose rebel our rebellion for His wrath, and yet He has given us His love. And so why would we choose His wrath over His love? Why are the people lining up you know? with, with Satan? Why are they lining yeah. up on his on the yeah. losing side? On the losing that side, that doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense. And yet somehow they think they've they've obtained whatever. You know, and then you think too in the last days when the Bible says that there will be those who will turn away from the faith and begin to follow doctrines of demons. Yeah. You know, and you what just go, mean? well, that they would turn away from Christ mm-hmm. and they would begin to be deceived by the teachings of demons, oh. being perverted the gospel or, you know. Anything that goes against what God yeah. says, basically. And so, but mankind, like, that we would, and yet God has displayed himself to mankind through creation I mean just through everything like he and that's why he is just you know in his punishment for the wicked you know because he has revealed himself time and time and time and time again I think that if you're not with if you don't have that look at 22 22 years you know, mm-hmm. that that happened to me, yeah. and it, it took me to be constant around other people, Christians, and I mean, I'm surrounded by Christians, and I never just, it annoyed me, you mm-hmm. know, just talking about it, that's when you were saying something like that, the, I guess the, the smell of death or whatever you mean, yeah, the stench of death, uh-huh. and it would just annoy me, and I would, like, it would annoy me because I was like, man, I have to act right. Like, I always knew I had to do this. Like, I, I always knew I had to, for some reason, I just knew. Like, and I always, like, took my hat off to the people that I should did it. You know, I would go out, and if I seen somebody that was, like, really cl- close with Christ, I would be like, what are you doing? Like, I did this to a guy, like, what are you doing here? He's like, what do you mean? What am I doing here? What are you doing here? And I was just like, no, but you're, you've been in church, and, you know, you're doing really good, and. You know, we all want to be where you're at, but you're, and I'm drunk telling this, like, I'm still drunk, and I'm like, like, I want to be where you're at, but 
you know, with your faith and, you know, we're all here sinning. <laughs> what are you doing here if you're doing so good? Like, why would you come back here? Like, I always knew that, you know, and he was just like, I don't know what I'm doing here. And then he was, he was about to leave. He came up to me and said, I know you might be too drunk to understand this, but he just used you to speak to me. And then I said, okay, whatever. <laughs> Kept drinking, whatever, you know. And then there's been just another few other times that I just, like, my, you know, my Veronica, even though she believes in Jehovah, and this is my problem, so we'll have to work on it, but I believe that everybody, Jesus, God, I feel like, you know, Jehovah, I feel like they just replace the, the name, and they all, like, if they're living by value, yeah, uh, I know, that's bad, yeah. I know, okay, but this is what I gotta work through, Yeah. you know, but... And that's yeah. why it's important for you as a Christian to be mm -hmm. like to them. To show you don't have to mm -hmm. fight, you don't have to argue with the people about their beliefs. But it is. I mean, unfortunately, that is a faith that is contrary to God's truth. Well, I felt like she was living a good a good life. And there's a lot of good people. So I didn't want to spoil that for her. So I stay away from her. And I never... I, I love her. She's my sister. Mm -hmm. But I felt like I would bring the negativity her way and I knew she was in the right spot so why would I go and be a bad friend and you know take it away so you're like it's you know you just you know like God's he's, he's there he's so real but I feel like it's hard like I don't know what the heck I, I think about that I'm like damn it's like yeah well yeah because that's because I really believe there's just like that they're just using their Allah their this or that I feel like it's just just well, see, that's changes. how the enemy twists things to mm. deceive many, you know. So there's a lot of good moral people, but your goodness and your morals, your rights, your doing right and doing good doesn't get you into heaven. Filthy rags. Yeah, all yeah, the Bible says it's like filthy rags, like minstrel rags, you know, that women use. That's how the Bible describes it. That Jesus says that, you know, that's why when he says, I'm the only way. You know, mm -hmm. that there's no, there's not all, and I used to believe, I mean, I, I, before I became a Christian, I had all these crazy thoughts. You know, oh, there's all these ways to God, you know. But the truth is, Jesus says, no, there's only one way, and it's through me. And mm -hmm. so when you have, like, the Mormons, when you have people even who would use Jesus' name, and yet build a religion off of it that is so contrary to his truth, and, and I think see that too, what you're saying in your your and what you said earlier that they the they judge. Mm -hmm. And if you're not doing what they do, they cut you off as a because that's what happened to Veronica before her brother died. They they cut them off because they weren't living the life instead of bringing them you know, bringing mm -hmm. them to the light. They kind of just like and I remember her at the funeral, she was like, "Where have you guys all been?" You know, you guys are speaking of my brother when he was young. You don't even know who he is. And even though they were speaking too much truth about how he was, I kind of respected, you know, that because I was like thinking, if you guys are love and it's God, you know, and I, 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 I think of that. That kind of keeps me like, because when you say that, that makes me think, okay, well, a lot of churches kind of like, like, well, you're not, you know, you're not for, and I think of Tim Tebow, you know, the church is not, it's for the sick. You know, it's, it's like a hospital. Like I, I get that, and they weren't—they were the opposite. They were like kind of like shut you out. I don't yeah. know if that's a normal thing that 
that they do in the religion, but I just, I mean, I, and I will, like, and it says not to, to argue. Yeah, there's no need to argue, but when you have an opportunity to be able to present that door ever opens, you know, it is, it is something that definitely you want to be able to share with people, mm-hmm. you know, because unfortunately they're deceived. They're not going to see that they're deceived. You know, but when you have an opportunity to share the gospel, share Jesus, you know, and who he is, and have a conversation. And that's why I always encourage everyone here is to go out and have spiritual conversations. Don't be intimidated, and there's no need to attack people. But if we know the truth, then we all we have to be diligent in order to, to pray for them and to present the truth. You know, because truth is, he is the only way. There's no other. There's no other way around it. But you, know, you can't. You can't force it. Though. No, you can't force it, and that's why Jesus. You can't himself, use logic. No, you can't. You it's can't all talk it. Nope. You need the unction of the Holy, the Spirit, Holy Spirit guiding you yep. and Him. Yep. Whoever you're talking to, yep. the Spirit's got to be with You'll him know. With you. Yep. Yeah. Yep. There's no need. There's no need to argue. There's no need to fight. I mean, even Jesus tells the disciples, if they don't receive your message, the message, they don't receive you, then don't stay. Move on. Shake the dust off your feet and and keep going, you know. And so it's vital that we are that we're able to present the truth. But I know it's hard for a lot of people. Like you said, you need time to get there because it is hard. Because you look and you say, "Well, can it work this way?" Well, no, because Jesus lays out, you know, that He's the only way. And that's when you see the deception of the enemy, who who comes to twist everything that God has laid out. You know, and that's where, and I've, and I've said this all the time, if you study all the different religions of the world, there's a little bit of truth from God's word in it. And what they do is the enemy will take it and begin to twist it and form teachings from it that look right, but in reality, it's deception. You think, yeah, think of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious men of the day of Jesus. These men were well studied. They knew scripture, you know, from front to back, left and right. And yet when the Messiah showed up in front of them, they didn't know him. They were, they were, they were using God's word to hinder God working among his people and keeping his people in bondage to rules and laws that they miss, and then you all, you always hear me say they knew God, but yet they didn't know God. And look what Jesus said to them. Jesus says, "Your father is the devil." You know, he was very direct with them. You know, he didn't he didn't mince words. Oh, you have some truth, or you know a little. No, he says, "No, you're you're like whitewashed tombs. You know, look good on the outside, but there's nothing on the inside." And then he looked at the people and he says, don't be like them. <laughs> you know. And so, yeah, unfortunately, religion can deceive people into just, like, believing that they're free. Is, I, that's why I was like, oh my God, there's just so much this. Yeah, there's this. You know, like, I know great people. And they all believe in something people. different. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I have, I work with a lot of Vietnamese people. And I have some that are ethnically Catholic. And then I have some that are uh, uh, Buddha, you know. Mm-hmm. And the ones that I really like the most, that show complete compassion, uh, beauty inside them, are the ones that 
Yeah. I mean, but again, I mean, they're good people all throughout the earth, but they're good works. There's, it's, it's not going to add up to anything. And that's why so, and that's what should compel us as the church to wake up in our generation. To stop living lukewarm lives, to just stop existing, that we have freedom. And if we can just live our lives before them, and as the Holy Spirit leads us to speak, as the Holy Spirit leads us to serve, that we're ready at that moment to be able to lead as He's leading us. Because we have the truth, you know. I wouldn't even know what to say. <laughs> but, that's a, like. but as you're growing and as you're maturing mm-hmm. as a believer, you'll learn. Because ultimately, you're right, we, none of us really have the words, but He gives us the words. Mm-hmm. You just have to be available for Him to use right. you, mm-hmm. you know. It's not about having all the knowledge or all the everything put together. No, it's just your obedience and, and just being available and saying, okay, Lord, use me. Logic won't do it because no. it's not logical. No. <laughs> no. I see that because, like, I think that you come across, like, someone like me, right? When you're saying, like, not to argue, they're going to ask you, mm-hmm. what do you well, so what do you believe as a Christian? Like, I do, I ask them. I'm like, oh, so you, so what is, a, what is Lutheran or what is this or what's that? Like, all these different religions, like, if they tell me that's what, I'm like, oh, what church do you go to? And they'll say, oh, I go to this Mormon church, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, you're Mormon. What do you guys you know, what are your beliefs? Like, I always, I'll always ask. So I always think that's going to happen one day to me. And then I'm going to say, well, I'm going to tell you, you know, this is what it is. And like a short little, but that's not going to be enough to convert somebody's life. And ultimately the conversion comes because of the Holy Spirit. You know, and that's why that life is just dependent on, on Him. Just talking about God, though, yep. you're spreading seed. Yep. And you might not be might just spread the seed, somebody else might fertilize it, and then somebody else will harvest it. So. Yeah. And he describes exactly what the Bible says, that there will be some that will just plant, some will water, the fertilize it, and then harvest it. We just have to be available. Open, open to it. Yep. To God, however you want to use me today. So. I've been talking, I always talk to Linda, she's like, hey, you know my daughter, she's like really upset that I go, we don't go to church. You know, like maybe I'll go with you because her friend said that she sinned because she lied. And instead of saying you lied, she's like, you sinned. Like, so she was like, God. And God's like, like I guess your little girl said something. And she was like, God's not going to forgive me. But I thought that was cool that she wanted to go because that's my, like, I love her so much, but she doesn't go to church. And I want to be, like, sometimes I feel like when we get in conversation, she takes them somewhere else. And I know she loves me, you know. And I'm like, okay. That's and good. I have to say, okay, help me. That's <laughs> it. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's all right. Well, I'm glad you joined us for a little Yay, tonight. Hey, that was fun. It was good to see you. Thanks, guys. Come anytime. Love you. Oh, I love you guys, too. This is fun. I'll be right back in the world. I think that I would have been like, I'm going to a Bible study on a Friday. Mm-hmm. And here you are. Oh, <laughs> look at me. We'll see you Sunday. All right, Sunday, All right. yes, Sunday, fun day. Yes. Bye. All right. Oh, I'm moving. I'm going to the house here. All right. Tell Ariana. I love her when All I right. see her. Yeah, sure will. Bye, Bye. Bye. I don't know what your name? Tom. Tom Lissette. Yeah. Gilda's crazy daughter. <laughs> see you later. Bye.
So expressing our needs, Luke 6, verse 38, reads, Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. And then Titus 3, verse 14 reads, Our people must learn to do good by meeting the urgent needs of others. Then they will not be unproductive. So when pressing needs are not being met, it is important that we let people know about those needs. It is prideful to let others assume that we have no needs or refuse to share our needs with others. One of life's little secrets, one of life's great compensations, is that we cannot sincerely help another without helping ourselves in the process. And Carrie, would you read that poem? called anyway. People are unreasonable, illogical, and self-centered. Love them anyway. If you do good, people will accuse you of selfish, ulterior motives. Do good anyway. If you are successful, you will win false friends and true enemies. Succeed anyway. Mm. The good you do today will be forgotten tomorrow. Do good anyway. Mm. Honesty and frankness make you vulnerable. Be honest and frank anyway. The biggest people with the biggest ideas can be shot down by the smallest people with the smallest minds. Think big anyway. Mm. People favor underdogs but follow only top dogs. <laughs> Fight for the underdog anyway. What you spend years building may be destroyed overnight. Build anyway. People really need help but may attack you if you help them. Help people anyway. <clears throat> Give the world the best you've got, and you'll get kicked in the teeth. Give the world the best you've got anyway. Each one of us can be the kind of person God created us to be, in spite of others and the sad philosophies of this fallen world. It, right. did, it didn't run. It didn't, did it? I know. When I was when I first read it the other day, I was like, okay, i got to go back and read it. Then as it's written, because I was expecting I thought, I thought it to... Right. Yeah, yeah, I was expecting there to be a little... Rhythm or something there. Mm-hmm. I could sing it. It'll never be a song. Not happening. All right. So number one, there, um, being an ambassador for Christ and having a positive witness are directly related to our capacity to love others. How can you be a good neighbor to those who live on your street? How can you love your neighbor as yourself? Anyone want to take that? Um, I put just. Um, well, it just might sound kind of kind of, kind of funny, but um, but I, I really did mean it. Take an interest just in their existence, mm-hmm. like just acknowledge that they exist, you know, and that they you know speak to them, wave to them, whatever. And then um, also, like the guy, I have a story that goes along with this. The guy across the street from my parents' house, um, he. Not really a talkative guy, um, but he he lived alone. Uh, he was like 66, 67, tall guy. Um, and, you know, I would see him, I would see, I, I, I could tell, you know, because even, like, I'm kind of a stalker even not on Facebook, like even <laughs> in just real life. 
And so when I would go to my parents' house, like, I would try to find out about him because, like, he's a little mysterious. So, you know, without, like, going through his mail, you know, like, trying to figure out, you know. And I would always ask my dad, like, you know, my dad can talk to anybody. My dad is, like, me. He'll, like, go out and just find stuff out about people. Like, not, but he's not, like, weird about it like me. Like, he's just, like, he just He doesn't go through people's mail. No, he doesn't go through people's mail. He doesn't even, yeah, no. He can't even work the washing machine. And so, um... Anyway, so my dad had said that he worked for the government. Well, immediately, I was like, he's a spy. You know, and I was like, that's why he doesn't talk to people. He is in the CIA. And so, anyway, I was, I, you know, I would always watch him when I was at my parents' house. I'm like, what's going on? I, I figured out he had had one daughter. I was assuming he was divorced. I looked in his recycle bin. I could tell he was a heavy drinker. And so I was, you know, you just don't know a lot about people. And then one day when... Um, my brother still had his truck. Like he'd lived there a while. Either my brother or my dad. One of them had a when one of them had a pickup truck. Like um, he came knocking on the door early one morning, and I was like, "This is a lot for this guy." And I, we all still lived at home, and um, this guy would never come across the street and knock on the door. Like something had to be going on. Well, he came to let us know that his mailbox was underneath my dad's truck. It must have been my dad's. My dad's truck propping it up because somebody had stolen all of my dad's tires. So they had taken this man's mailbox and taken it out of the ground and used it to prop up my dad's truck. And he was like, um, just so whenever you're done with my mailbox, you can just put it back. You know, it's just hilarious. So it was just kind of funny. And so my, he and my dad started talking a little bit ever since then. That was years ago that my dad's tires were stolen. Um, so anyway, so cut to current day. Um, so I get this email from my mom, um, probably like a week ago Wednesday, and she was like, the strange man across the street's dead. What? I was like, you gotta be, like, I feel like I know him from, you know, I have like a connection with him from like, you know, looking at his stuff and like looking through him out the window and like his older parents had come to live with him. Like he was like 90, they were like 95 and I used to see them and the dad had died, but now it was just him and his older mother. And his 95-year-old mother was living with him. And this man was dead out of nowhere. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, he died? And so, well, it turns out that he was actually um, a severe alcoholic. And um, he had um, cirrhosis of the liver. And he had had some other kind of cancer. And he was diagnosed on Easter. And he was dead within a week. What was his and name? Had... You say he worked for the government. It's a weird last Because I work for the government. Oh, my gosh. I'll ask. I'll text you. Yeah. So, anyway. Um, so you knew he did or you thought, you thought he worked for the government? No, I knew that he did. Oh, my did. dad had to talk to him after the whole tire incident. So, anyway. Uh, but I'm telling you this all this for a reason. So, okay. like, I was really, like, upset. I was like, you know, it's just shocking. Like, he's just dead. Like, I mean, he's just, he was there and now he's dead. <laughs> And like that, it's just weird because he didn't even look. That he didn't look old. like he was gonna. He, no, no. he didn't even know he was sick. No, I didn't even know he was sick. Like, and yeah. I felt bad, and I always waved at him, and I said hi when I would leave my parents, you know, and he would just go like that. Yeah, a relationship with him. Yeah, like we waved, and you know, so I felt this loss. Like I, you know, I was, I was. <laughs> No, I didn't know. Wow. So, yes. Good. And so, I don't anyway. want him to be dead either. No, it's sad. 
so, um, but the neighbors, if you're in my parents' house, the neighbors to the left, the Thompsons, um, my dad went over to tell them, he might, because my dad, the daughter came over, uh, to tell, because they had to put the, the mother in a nursing home, like, now she's in the house by herself, like, all this stuff, and so the man has a married daughter who lives somewhere in the city, and so she's trying to, and she's an only child, so she's left with all this stuff to take care of, and so she's the one who told my dad that he was an alcoholic, and you know, and all of this stuff, and I was just shocked. My mom's like, I knew I saw him stumble. Like, my mom's like that, too. She looks out the blinds. And so, she watches the neighborhood. But anyway, um, so the neighbor to the left, the Thompsons, she had said, you know, I never really talked to him. Her name is Gideon. But she said, you know, one day, I was getting something heavy out of my trunk, and I was struggling. And he came over, and he had never, ever said anything but hi and wave. And he came over and he said, let me carry that into the house for you. And he carried that into the house for her. And, he, and she was like, that's the only contact that I ever had with that man. But that was the sweetest thing that he could have ever done. And so when I was doing the, my homework this week, I thought about my friend across the street. Because, you know, he didn't know them. He didn't, he wasn't really chatty. But, and he was, he kept very secluded. And obviously he was wrestling with a lot of demons. He stayed locked up in his house. He was an alcoholic. And that was, that's from his, that's not from my spine. That's from words of his own daughter. And, but yet he extended himself and he made himself friendly. He made himself neighborly. And so like when it said, you know, what can you do um, to love your neighbor? You know, you can go out and you can, you know, extend yourself. And when you see that there's a need, you can make yourself available. Because they might die. Now, when you pulled the mailbox from the truck, did you check the mail? <laughs> My dad did it. He wouldn't do that. Only I would do that. <laughs> well, what needs do your neighbors have that you can help meet? I think the Lord is, you know, next door in that. Just spending time out there talking to her and, you know, and hanging out with her and stuff like that. Um, I see a real need with her. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I just have always, with her and her mom, I've always been, you know. And, and I'll just stand there. I'll just, you know. Listen. And that, but it's, it's. I think it's loneliness. I think that mm -hmm. it's lonely. And, um, and even if somebody might be, a, you know, a little different or, um, my goodness, I'd be different to them. Um, but I think just seeing something, if you see that someone's lonely, you see that someone's, you know, that just would like to have a conversation, mm -hmm. just step up and do it and just listen. And um, I think just being, just being Jesus to them and seeing it, you know, letting them see you that way. Um, I never really grew up around a lot of neighbors as a kid because I lived on 18 acres with a bunch of animals. Um, but... I think when you see that need, just step up and, and come out of your comfort zone. Because it's very uncomfortable for me to socialize anyway. I'm not a real social person in some areas. Um, but I think if there's a need like with that one, she loves to talk, you know, and loves to, you know, tell you what's been going on in the neighborhood. She watches the neighborhood, too. She's really good at watching the neighborhood. You wouldn't so, think she could see much from being back in the Buddy, she sees a lot. So... And I like that. I like that she is willing, you know, some people would be bothered by that, but I, I, I am annoyed by it, but I think it's a give and take. 
there's a need, if you see a need like that gentleman did, he saw that lady struggling and saw that need and maybe never said, you know, just hi bye friend, you know, but he stepped out and helped that and saw that need and, you know, and I think that's what we need to do is step out and we see a need to do it, you know, whatever we can. My dad has been spending since he retired, he's been spending a lot of time over at his sister's house um, fixing the house up. And, um, but that's the house that my dad grew up in. So it's oh, also wow. my dad's neighborhood. But there's a man across the street that, and it's also the house that his mom always lived in. So he's very familiar with all the neighbors. But a man across the street from my aunt's house, with now my aunt's house, um, he just had surgery. And he's a, he's, you know, he's about my dad's age, maybe a little older than my dad. Um, <coughs> I went to school with his daughter. She was a year older than me in school. Um, but, he, there, they came over as, um, they were one of those, like, raft people from Cuba, and so they came over, and, like, they, like, years ago, when their daughter, who's my age, was very little, spoke no English, and so they, um, you know, have come, and they've really made something for themselves yeah. here, and, um, he's been, you know, had trouble keeping a job, uh, because he's been very sick, so, um, he had just had surgery and hasn't been able to do much physically. And so um, the other day, my dad was over at my aunt's house, and he went over and just, without even asking, he went over and just cut their yard for them. Oh. And, um, you know, and I was thinking about that, too. Like, that was, you know, he knew that that's something that Umberto can't do right now, you know, because physically he's just unable. But, you know, my dad just did it. Just, you know, he didn't, he wasn't seeking anything for it. He just did it because... He knew he was just helping out a neighbor, and I just, you know, that's just being meeting a need. That's just yeah. being neighborly. So. Let's go to number one there under discussion questions. What is your responsibility concerning yourself and your neighbors? Right. Love yourself, love your neighbor. Why do people have a tendency to judge others and to look out for their own needs? If you become critical of others and unaware of your own sins, what is the problem and what can you do about it? You become hypocritical um, and that you can ask God to reveal truth to you and um, you can also uh, seek counsel from, you know, godly friends or something. I'm sorry? Take an inventory of yourself. Why shouldn't, we be, why shouldn't we be another person's conscience? What will happen if we try to be? Because that's when, it was talking about before, then that's what leads to uh, feelings of guilt and legalism. And it brings about, um, also can bring about shame in people's lives. Because that's the job of the Holy Spirit. To do that. Also, you haven't walked in their shoes, so you really can't judge what happens if we emphasize rights over responsibilities? We become like society today. We become neglectful, lazy, and entitled. What is the difference between judgment and discipline? Discipline is a 
healthy discipline, you know. And um, God disciplines us, so it's like, you know, I mean, it's not in a judgmental way, you know what I'm saying? Judgmentalism or being judgmental, you know, between judgment, it's pointing fingers and, and being critical, just critical of issues, you know, in general. And judgment is looking at their character and discipline is dealing with the behavior. Say, okay, so what is the difference between discipline and punishment? Well, punishment, we talked about this. Punishment mm -hmm. is for something you've done in your past, mm -hmm. and discipline is something that's going to make you a better person in your future. Exactly. Should you be defensive if someone attacks your character? Why or why not? Share a personal experience when an authority figure demanded accountability without affirmation and acceptance. How did you respond to that person, and how will you knowing this? I'm sorry. How will knowing this affect your ministry or parenting? Personal experience. Well, what I what I that one for me is kind of difficult. It's just the idea of when I had one situation. Me being a strong personality was one of my sergeants had done something, and you know, and and just did it. Just he did it, and, and shouldn't have done that. And the way I handled it was, I shouldn't have probably handled it this way, but. I turned around and said, you know, don't you ever do it again, you know, to me, and basically. Um, and then later on I went back and said, you know, it was disrespectful for me because you are who you are, no matter what you've done, I, you know, I have to respect your authority, you know, and not that I like it, but it's, um, it's helped me realize that you can go back, even if that person is wrong. And if you reacted wrongly, say, look, I reacted wrongly. And not expecting that to change anything. It didn't change anything on his end. But it was my, it was for me to go because of who I represent. And I represent Christ. And that's what I, I have to remind myself. So I had to go back. And it was not nice what he had done. Um, but I was representing God, you know, Christ at the time. And I wasn't expecting him to say, and I, you know, wasn't expecting anything back in return. And and it's a learning experience because you have to tell your children the same thing. You don't always expect, you know, if someone wrongs you and you and you wrong back, if you go back and tell them, look, I, I was wrong on my end of it, don't expect anything in return. You're doing it because of who you represent. If they do, then, you know, obviously accept that. Because some people can't do it. A, a really heavy way they can just say well, okay well I'm sorry to and accept that you know to be able to accept that and that was very it was difficult for me you know but I and, and, but I was convicted I wasn't guilted into it but I was convicted in my spirit to go back and say look the way I reacted was wrong and, 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 and reacting that way so well I can think of two examples but they're not I couldn't think of anything personally with me other than like maybe examples with my parents at times but um, two examples of things that I've never been personally involved in, but one would be an abusive <coughs> relationship. 
where someone expect had authority, but they and they, so they demanded things from you, but they never showed you any kind of a, um, like acceptance or um, affirmation, you know. And so it was. It, it, that's to me, it's almost like an, an abusive type of relationship. Like that's where my mind went when I was reading that. And also, um, the other example that I could think of would to be to live, um, like under Gaddafi or something like that in a tyrannical type of, of country where you are, you're, when you're living under, this is what you have to do, this is what you expect, but you get no personal validation as a, you know, you get no rights as a person, if you, you know, no acceptance, no love, no validation as a, as a person, if you will. So those were my examples, even though they weren't personal to me, because I really couldn't Okay, so how can you share a need without it backfiring on us? Or how can we share a need without it backfiring on us? Well, I think that's where it was talking about, like, you know, don't be too prideful to not share a need with someone when there's a real need, because sometimes we are too prideful. Like, we feel like either, number one, we should have it all together, um, or, you know, number two, we just don't want to be a burden on someone. But... Um, but to not have it backfire on us, um, what I put is that we just need to, to temper who we share it with, mm -hmm. issues with some, on who you share what with, you know, and when you're asking for help in a certain area, um, you know, don't just use wisdom on how you, do, how you ask and who you ask. So. All right, so during the coming week, read Luke 6, 27 through 42. Mm -hmm. I want to read that for us in closing. It says, do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others, or it will all come back against you. Forgive others, and you will be forgiven. Give, and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together, to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will be determined, will determine the amount you get back. Then Jesus gave the following illustration. Can a blind person lead another? Won't they both fall into a ditch? Students are not greater than their teacher. The student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying, friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First. Get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. And it goes on to say here, And think about how you relate to your family, friends, and neighbors. Search your heart and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal anyone from whom you should seek forgiveness. If anyone comes to mind, go to that person to state clearly what you have done wrong and then ask for forgiveness. Note, don't write a letter that, that can be misunderstood or used against you. And then the big question for next time. Before the next session, consider the following question. How can you set goals for your life that are consistent with God's will? Amen? That's big. That's huge. That's big. Yep. So the next time we get together, we won't be meeting, we'll be meeting this Sunday, but we won't be meeting next Wednesday, Friday, or the following Sunday. Um... But the next Friday we get back together, and Carrie will keep everyone updated on when we're together when we're not. But the next Friday we do get together, we're going to actually do 11 and 12, since they're short. 
Okay. Then once we finish 11 and 12, we will go back through the bonus section of this book and work through that. Yeah, it's kind of pretty intense. I'm gonna be but very intense. But it's really good. Tom and I will be busy. We'll be having pizza. We, we can't make it for the bonus section. Sorry. <laughs> Tom, are you busy? Well, let me close. Just suck it up. Okay, that's not what I'm saying.